0: One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right. How the heck are you? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show. Thank you for joining us. Good to have you with us. We, uh, On a spectacular day here in Western New York, we have finally reached yes. the sweet spot as summer is beginning. Today, the longest. Day of the year, yes, Steve, the good old summer solstice. It's not going to get dark till like 915 tonight. We're, I love it.
1: We're in a hard groove here, too, because Brownie and I are sitting here. We're, you know, we're watching the intro of the show. We're listening to it and <laughs> producer Jay Harris busting the door. because You guys know we're on right now, right? <laughs> we're like, well, yeah, like we we're, hear the intro. We're, we're, we're ready to go. they are sitting in our places. Yeah, not, not
0: just twiddling nice. our thumbs here. It's
1: nice to know every once in a while you see somebody and they absolutely panic. And it's nice to see what they do when they panic, mm-hmm. you know. Just so you have it in your back pocket, so you can, you know, that's a real, <laughs>
0: like, like, bust. You guys yeah, know we, we're on, right? We're we're ready to go. Yeah. No, have no fear. We're all good. Uh, but yeah, longest day of the I year love, in terms man. of daylight hours. Love the only it. downer is now they start getting shorter. Yeah, after today, after December twenty first, it starts getting brighter, and now it starts getting shorter. That's you don't really notice it though until we spring forward for daylight savings time. That's when you really start to notice, That's like, it, yeah. hey, it's not dark It's six o'clock you anymore. Get, yeah, you
1: get beat over the head with it then. But it's this time of year when it's getting longer. Days are getting longer, It's so awesome, and I tell you this too. And I, I a lot of people who know this who live out and away from the city. It's firefly season. You know this.
0: I saw some walking down your driveway the other night.
1: Well, my driveway. I got. I'm in kind of the, my house is in the woods kind of thing, right? And it th- at this time of year, from now until whenever, maybe in July, late July, it crescendos, and it's like I literally pay for a light show with the fireflies that come out. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You have, you have a lot. I don't. I got I, a lot. I don't have any. It's like I, it really is like I paid for it. Like there's some sort of little laser machine that shoots them out there. It's amazing. Great
0: time of year. Love the. I love the long days. It's love the long. You days. You can't beat it. You do lose track of time though. Like last night, we you know I got a little bit of a late start on dinner. Oh yeah. Um. So we, but we wanted to eat out on the patio last night, and we didn't get out there until about seven thirty. And then Still we're just light. hanging out there after dinner, just kind of chilling, maybe having an extra glass of wine or something. I go inside. I was like, "It's 8:45. What the heck happened?" Yeah. <laughs> it was just, you know what I mean? Still light out. I'd be halfway through like two sitcoms on on television <laughs> right. if it was December. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Because we're all huddled up indoors You're like inside. hermits. It's been
1: dark for four hours by eight o'clock. You know,
0: it's just such a different way of living. It's
1: crazy. Oh my god. It's great.
0: Um, But, yeah, so can't have enough of this good weather. We certainly earned it um, with a very wet spring. So glad it is here. Finally. Yeah. Steve, it is time for us, as we usually do in the first half hour of the show, to go around the NFL. And we will begin, Steve, with the latest on DeAndre Hopkins' watch now Hopkins, in an effort to stay relevant after his recent visits with the Titans and the Patriots, is now tweeting. Tweeted this out yesterday after we were off the air. He basically said, whoever's in my future wide receiver group, I promise I will make your job easy. So DeAndre apparently very confident that he is going to be drawing double teams a good portion of the and time wherever he may land. And- to me, a tweet like that kind of says
1: it's not like speaking to anybody specific. Although he may, he might be. He's trying to sell himself. He didn't have any offers, yeah, that he likes.
0: But that he likes. Yeah, we don't know whether he's gotten any. Maybe he's gotten some, and and it they seems don't appeal
1: like to him he seem, it seems like he's open for business, waiting on somebody to yeah swoop
0: in. Part of me wondered, is he trying to? assure anybody that might have reservations about his work ethic that he will do things necessary to lift the level of the receiving group on the team or does it mean, Hey, don't look at me as stealing targets from you. If I come to your team, I'm going to be making life easy for you. You're going to get more one-on-ones if I'm on your roster. Right. That kind of thing. It was hard to kind of interpret
2: the Certainly aim of that never, tweet, because these
0: guys don't tweet for no reason. He's
1: never lacked confidence. None of these guys do, but I'm, I'm. It sounds to me like he was talking to 30, 31 other teams, other than the Arizona Cardinals. He's talking to everybody, saying, "Hey, listen, I'm a great guy." <laughs> right? Sure. It, it kind of. I, I hate to say it like this, but I'm just. I'll exaggerate a little bit. It just seems like he's a little bit desperate to get some interest.
0: That could, yeah. Sure. Yes and yes. And, and w- I think this is going to go right up to training camp. Unless somebody bowls him over with an offer between now and then, it, he's going to push it right up to training camp, maybe even a week into training camp. Who knows? Yeah. Um, months, maybe. Steve, we, we always keep our ear to the ground on the AFC East, and this one takes the kick. Less than a few months off his darkness retreat, Aaron Rodgers will be one of the featured speakers at a psychedelics conference in Colorado. Months after Colorado's voters decided to join Oregon in decriminalizing psychedelic mushrooms, Denver is hosting a conference this week put on by a psychedelic advocacy group, according to the Associated Press, and they're bringing together the following cohort of speakers. Aaron Rodgers is one of the featured speakers. The other is rapper Jaden Smith, who's the son of Will Smith. And the final speaker is former Texas Republican Governor Rick Perry, who's apparently an advocate for researching psychedelics, potential benefits for veterans experiencing PTSD. So... We know what a fan Aaron Rodgers is of the ayahuasca cleanse, which is basically ravaging your innards and your digestive tract to, uh, let's just say, get all of your pipes squeaky clean. Now he is touting the benefits of psychedelics, in this case, mushrooms. Is this guy... Is this guy going to be all there when when we get to week one?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, hey, each to his own, I guess. Um, I, We've seen quarter, some of the quarterbacks, you know, get – well, I don't know. I've never seen a quarterback distracted by the stuff he's distracted by. You can see some of them, you know, or, you know got other stuff going on, but – he seems preoccupied with
0: it. I, I am going to say this, Steve. What have we noticed about Aaron Rodgers' play the last couple of years in particular? Because I'm going to, you may not, you're, you're probably not on the same wavelength as me because that's a totally random question. Week well, one performances have not been good really? by Aaron Rodgers. They've laid eggs. They laid eggs the last two years with the Packers in week one. I'm going to quickly look up his game log. So last year, week one, they play Minnesota and they lose twenty three to seven. Aaron Rodgers twenty two for thirty four for one ninety five and a pick. Mm. Okay, let's go to let's go to twenty twenty one, Steve. See what that has to (laughs) reveal to us. Um, Trying to pull it up quickly. That is not
1: an Aaron Rodgers esque kind
0: of. It is not. Right. Twenty twenty one. They lose at New Orleans, thirty-eight to three. Aaron Rodgers, fifteen of twenty-eight for one hundred and thirty-three and two picks. They lost by thirty-five. Goodness. Okay, let's see if this continues. But the, the recent history has not been good for Aaron Rodgers in Week One. Now, let's see. I, I think in twenty twenty they did win. Yeah, he would. He would. That was the MVP year. His last MVP right, year. Right. I got you. He goes 32 of 44 for 364 yards and four touchdowns against Minnesota in a 43 34 victory. But the last two years, week one, after the ayahuasca retreat, now we're, we went in a dark room and decided the Jets were the were the ticket. Back
1: nine, uh, Yeah, he's
0: a buck 90 and a pitch. Now we're touting the uh, benefits of psychedelic mushrooms. Who knows what week one could be in the store? And let's, in case anybody forgot, the Bills are playing the, the Jets in week one. On 9-11. Correct. So, I don't know. I just – is he – he's kind of around the bend. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Teach each his own, as you said, but I don't know. It strikes me as strange. Well, let's hope that, that trend
1: continues. For a third year, yeah. yeah. That would be nice. That would be nice, and that would be so delicious to see
0: the Jets – Struggling. <laughs> Struggling. <laughs> <laughs> He's so delicious
1: to see the Jets go up in flames or down in flames like a jet does. I Sure. Guess. I either remember. way. Yeah.
0: The but NFL, um, uh, oh. meanwhile, Steve, is redoubling its efforts to reinforce their gambling policy to players in the wake of the recent violations that happened this past spring in which five players got suspended. Yeah, it's – yeah, All rookies now have to attend mandatory education sessions. A group of league officials are also making in-person visits to team facilities to emphasize and clarify what activities are prohibited. So they've listed six key rules, Steve, to this gambling policy that they're emphasizing to the players to make it plain and simple as they can. Mm Mm-hmm. One, don't bet on the NFL. Two, don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Three, don't have someone bet for you. Four, don't share team inside information. Five, don't enter a sportsbook during the NFL playing season. Six, don't play daily fantasy football. Pretty straightforward. Here's the
1: problem. I get all of that. The problem is that some of these guys probably come into the – particularly rookies probably come into the league doing it. NIL money's giving them free money to do that with. And let's not forget, it's not like when I was a kid, you had to have a friend, a shady friend who would book. You know what I mean? You had a <laughs> buddy. You know what I mean? The guy yep. in class who always carries around the notebook, right? And – Running numbers, yeah, he's running numbers. It's you know you had to kind of seek it out. Now, man, this presto change you a couple of clicks, and you're doing it. Two taps on your phone, and it's and you're it's so easy for these guys now to tell them they can't go to that app on their phone during the day. All that stuff. Some of them, it's and I think the league probably got caught thinking eh, it's probably not that probably not that prevalent that I, and they got something like oh wait a minute, and now they got you know. Team employees getting busted. All the guys in Detroit got, you know, they got in trouble for it. And certainly, you have to be a dope not to know that you can't bet on the NFL if you're playing in it. You got to be an idiot not to realize that or understand, at least question the wisdom of it. But, you know, some of these guys are dopes,
0: idiots, and (laughs) lunatics. So there will be more teaching on it. Yeah, not only for the rookies, but this probably is, for vets as well. And I'll say
1: this too: I'm I'm surprised there haven't been more egregious violations. I, certainly, you can tell guys are guys going on their phone during the off season or whenever, clicking on it, betting the horses, doing that. I mean, good grief! They probably have friends who own the horses, you know, all that stuff. You know, because you, they run in that those circles. I can see how I'm surprised they haven't had more issues like that, and this is exactly. This is exactly why the league was so you know they stiff armed yeah, gambling. It at arm's length, they right. stiff armed it for decades. They didn't want anything to do with it. No, and this is, and I'm surprised they haven't had even more adjustment problems to the new way of doing business. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, you would almost
0: consider them fortunate.
1: Yeah. I mean, but, even, you know, you've had a couple of, you know, it's kind of like the ones that they've had
0: are been like, you know, they're like total
1: idiots. Calvin know?
0: Ridley missed more than a year of his career because of it. Right. Um, so, And there are a couple other players who no longer have jobs. who got clipped off the Lions roster completely after the gambling violations were discovered. Right. So, so it's, the I'm, NFL sees this as a brush fire. They want to tamp it down so it doesn't become a wildfire. Yeah. They're spraying it hard, and yeah. and, I, and good for them.
1: I think they should. I mean, that's obvious. It's, it's always kind of a lurking risk that they live with.
0: Other AFC East news, Steve. Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill under investigation on allegations of assault and battery at a Miami Beach marina, according to Miami-Dade police. Hill allegedly hit a marina employee during a disagreement that took place over the weekend on Father's Day of all days, uh, there are reports that Hill will slap the employee on the back of the head, but that the employee has declined to press charges at this time. Now, as we know, and as we have seen in this league before, even if a player doesn't face criminal charges, his behavior could fall under the personal conduct policy, and he could incur a suspension or a fine of some kind. And so I quickly looked up the personal conduct policy excerpt which reads as follows players convicted of a crime or subject to a disposition of a criminal proceeding are subject to discipline but even if the conduct does not result in a criminal conviction players found to have engaged in any of the following conduct will be subject to discipline so then they list a bunch of examples assault and or battery is listed so whether the whether the victim presses charges or not may be immaterial as far as the NFL is concerned, the so, only thing is I wouldn't expect this suspension to take effect until the following year, as we saw with previous Bills players like Marcel Darius had synthetic marijuana in his car one summer. He didn't face a suspension that year, but did the following year, missed a game. So I don't know if he would incur a suspension this year if you know the personal conduct policy is deemed to have been violated, but maybe next year. He does have a history, though, Steve. Well, yeah. He's got a history of violence. Dismissed from Oklahoma State after being arrested and accused of domestic violence. His then-girlfriend alleged that Hill choked and punched her. 2019, investigated for alleged battery that may have resulted in a broken arm for his three-year-old son. The NFL did not punish him after a medical investigation determined the boy's broken arm was an accident. So, take that history for what it's worth. Um... Yeah, this, but if you have a history, sometimes they are more stringent oh, yeah. in investigating it, and punishing. Which is why people talk about it right out of the top. The, Tyreek Hill apparently
1: slapped the guy on the back of the head like, you know, dope. Um, Michael Jordan did it to one of his players, his owner the Wizards, when the guy ran on the court. He came off and he slapped the same thing. So, not something you want to do, really, but when you've had a history of it like Tyreek Hill has, it's... It looks, it looks worse. It, it's So that we'll see how that goes on. I, I suspect it may this, go away. I, I'm pretty sure this is going to go away. Uh, but F- I would be surprised if it didn't. Yeah.
0: Wanted to bring this up before we get into our topic of discussion today. The NFL put together a list of the ten biggest roster holes across the league for certain clubs, and of the ten teams they listed, Steve, the most popular position was edge rusher or defensive line. Seven of the 10 teams listed had a defensive line or pass rusher need of some kind. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, there are still good free agents out there like Yannick Ngakwe, Jadavian Clowney, but I am confident, Steve, that if the Bills get through training camp and the preseason healthy on their defensive line, that they will be moving a player via trade off the roster. The only reason I believe that is GM Brandon Bean said they have to make some moves when they establish the 53-man roster because they're projected to be over the cap when the top 51 salaries count. So, sure, you can just cut players, but if you can move one for some draft capital, why wouldn't you? So the teams listed with defensive line and pass rusher needs, Chiefs, Jaguars, Saints, Ravens, Bears, Rams, Falcons. Now, I don't see the Bills helping their fellow AFC counterparts with a trade, but I could see them looking to make a deal with an NFC team like the Saints, the Bears, the Rams, the Falcons, none of whom are seen as real playoff contenders, that could mean a good draft pick in return probably high in whatever round you can get. Right. What do you think about that? Um, well,
1: it makes sense, a lot of sense, and it certainly gives Brandon Bean a list to start with. If he, is, if he does have some guys like – and I'll say this too, it's going to be within the next month all that happens.
0: I mean – Nine edge rushers, nine defensive tackles on the roster. They're not all making it, right? Some good ones that half probably them, are good enough to play somewhere in the league on a fifty-three man roster.
1: Not if there's not as eighteen of them. So You've got to think eight of them are not going to make it.
0: Yeah, right. You're probably keeping maybe at the maybe nine, maybe, maybe ten. Right.
1: So eight of One those eighteen or two on the
0: practice squad. So you got six guys. Yeah, six. The team's not going to trade for six p. And here's the other thing to consider too, Steve. Like, let's say you've got um, a second or a third year player that's not coming along like you wanted them to, and then you have a first or a second year player who you think has more to more to go in terms of development. Do you move the older player so that younger player can move in, get the reps, and develop the way you think he can, in favor of a guy who you've given the time and you haven't seen it? it's gonna be a, some uh, very interesting decisions here it's also going to be predicated on what teams are interested in right but it also
1: it also predicates the guy himself you know who it is and they're they're going to try and make the best decision they can it doesn't have to be one or the other they'll make the best decision for the team on that day right really I mean you're trying to look long term but you can't tell the future and you know take keeping the young guy with a bigger upside maybe except that maybe the old guy's got some other things some personal issues Could. or some whatever injuries whatever who's getting over or all of the, there's a million things that go into that stew that you have to figure out and like you said there's two parties involved you got to find a dance partner to make that trade and they may not they may not want one of them may only be interested in the other
0: yeah i'm just going to say on this list do you know what they listed for the biggest need for the Rams or for the for the um, Cardinals? The Cardinals? It said entire defensive. <laughs> and then for the Rams, it said entire defense. I mean let's think about the players Whoa, that have left yeah, left the Rams the last couple of years. Bobby Wagner back in Seattle, Von Miller in Buffalo, Leonard Floyd in Buffalo, Taylor Rapp in Buffalo, Jalen Ramsey in Miami. I mean that's that's six starters.
1: Really good players,
0: too. I mean, really they need everything. Mm-hmm. Arizona mm-hmm. needs a defensive line in the worst possible way, and you have to believe Jonathan Gannon, their new head coach, who is a defensive coordinator by trade, wants to get that thing in ship shape sooner rather than later. Right. I mean, they're just looking for bodies. My gosh. Somebody of some measure of quality. Please. Anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, I- and the I'll Saints this, are the though. same way. They're turning over their roster because that cap issue has finally come home to roost right think about you're if you're
1: sitting there if you're another gm of another team and you're in that kind of space i don't know that you trade for you know like the the, the back end of the buffalo bills defensive line is not going to put you like finger quotes over the top they can't make the bills yeah you know what i'm saying I mean, or they're not as good as the guys the bills have the guy might be pretty darn good compared to what you have though he might make you better but he's not going to be even a long term solution there either. They may be better. You know what? We're just going to keep our draft picks. We're going to bite the bullet and we're going to go with yeah. what we got. And we're we're going to pick them up when
0: you cut them. But a team like Arizona has a boatload of picks already for next year. Yeah. Especially at the top of the draft after they swindled Houston. Um so it's gonna I'm I'm very intrigued to see how Brandon Bean plays plays the month of August with respect to his roster because he's got a bounty of talent. He can't keep all of it, and you hate to just see it walk out the door. Now, there could be some astute general managers that maybe say, ah, I'm going to call the bluff. I think this is a bluff. They're just going to cut this guy anyway. Why am I going to give up anything in order to get him? And if I'm the GM on the other side of that equation, I would say to to a team like Arizona, do you think a guy really is going to sign with Arizona right now? It's a good point. You might be best off acquiring him via trade so you get him for sure. Right. Because if you think you're beating out another team that's got a chance to make the playoffs, you're not getting the guy. Right. Yeah, that's the – you know, we're starting to take it for granted. I'm fascinated by this. We're
1: We're starting to take for granted that when Buffalo throws its line in the water, there's a lot of guys that want to bite that bait. They want to come here and play. Yep. You got Josh Allen. You got McDermott. You got Vaughn. You got Steph Diggs. Hyde and and Poirier with with rap behind them. You got a ton of guys. I mean, you're going to win games. And so when when the Bills throw their line in the water on free agency, they're going to get they're going to get a conversation with the Leonard Floyd's of the world. You know, guys picking up the phone. Oh yeah, the Arizona Cardinals call you. Your quarterback's got issues, and he's injured. He's not going to be there. You've got your roster has been decimated. It's like, I don't know, yeah, I like the desert and all, but, man, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to want to show up for work every day.
3: <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's we take it for granted here in Buffalo with the culture and the, the vibe coming out of here and the way they treat their players and the way it's by word of mouth and reputation, players are picking up the phone. But you're right. In Arizona, I don't know that that's existent.
0: You don't have a lot of leverage. Once like, you get my point.
1: Once you start grinding down into their roster and who's there and what's going on and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury kicked to the curb. I don't know. Oof.
0: It's going to be I, – I am fascinated to see how he navigates this because he's got guys that aren't going to make this roster that are good enough to play in the league yeah. on a 53-man roster. And you've got to find – the right commodity that you can move for a future asset, you know, in the draft or somewhere else, because we know the cap figures for the elite players on this roster are only going up and you're going to have to keep mining for cheap labor in the form of rookies on first contracts to fortify the roster from the back end. And you got to keep doing that and just letting somebody walk out the door when you might be able to flip them, even for a day three pick, you got to explore that, and I'm, you know, knowing how Brandon Bean works, I'm confident that he will. Doesn't always work out, but I think there, there's a good potential for some opportunities here because there are some lousy rosters in this league right now. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, here's
1: the thing: most of the D linemen, D, the edge rushers, and the interior defensive linemen that don't make the Buffalo Bills are going to be playing in the league somewhere.
0: Yeah. That. That. That's why I'm saying. If there's a way to move them for, for a draft asset, even if it's a day three pick, go, 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 and do it.
1: And they didn't do it th- – well, they did it this year too. The Bills take big dudes in the first two rounds of the NFL draft and all the way through the first four pit, four rounds. Yeah. You go back and look at their history, they always take big guys because those are the guys you can't coach tall. Mm-hmm. You can get everything else. You can get them heavier, stronger, faster, all that stuff but you can't coach tall, and they get big, heavy dudes. Osiris Torrance, Spencer Brown, A.J., Epinesa, Boogie. Well, you go down the list. Cody Ford, you know, they don't all hit, but Cody Ford. I mean, they, they draft big dudes in the first few rounds. Ed Oliver. I mean, golly, you willikers. That's a, that's a philosophy. They're hard to find. Big guys who can really play are really hard to find. You, I mean, there's 150 guys in the every draft, 200 guys in every draft that are six foot or above and athletes. They're, I mean they grow on trees in, the, in college football. Everybody's got, a, you know, 25 athletes yeah. who can really run, jump, lift, turn and move, loose hips, they got 25 of them on every Division 1 school. There's they're everywhere in every sport. <laughs> but there aren't guys who are 6'6" 320 plus who can move. Those guys are rare. That's why you got teams that are like we don't have, we got none. Yeah. We got none. Yeah, they they look it but they're they're bad, you know?
0: Not good enough. You can't find them, man. We uh, want to present the topic of discussion today here before we have to take our first break. And we know that Brandon Bean is in the business of signing players to contract extensions in the month of August, right before the regular season starts. He's done it before. Dawson Knox, Josh Allen, uh, Tredavious White, Dion Dawkins. There are several examples of, Cornerstone players and even players coming up on expiring contracts with just a year left signing an extension. So with that in mind, who do you think the Bills should sign to a contract extension next? 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Got an open line for you there. Or if you can't call, you can always hit us up on the tweet sheet at one Live. Who should the Bills sign to a contract extension next? You tell us when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right. Sitting tight here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the program of choice. And discussing with you who the Bills should sign to a contract extension next. The last one came right before mandatory minicamp. It was Ed Oliver, who was entering the last year on a fifth-year option from his rookie contract. Signs uh, the big long-term extension. Who should be the next one signing a contract extension for the Bills? You let us know at 803-0550. One eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. The number to get on board. We do have open lines for you at this juncture, and you can also hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live with your choice there, and if you can explain why, that would be helpful and appreciated. And we go to the phones, and leading us off today is Judy in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Judy? <clears throat>
3: uh, well, I want to go on record early <laughs> to say that do. The two surprise teams of the league will be the Green Bay Packers and the Cleveland Browns. To me, the Green Bay Packers are loaded offensively. Um, I I really think they have some receivers that are going to set the world on fire. And I think the Cleveland Browns, uh, they have a a lot of talent. They just need to put it together. And and so uh, I I just want to say – I'm looking forward to the fact that they they may uh, really surprise the league.
0: Okay. Well, you know, if the Browns give the rest of the AFC North a hard time, I'm not going to complain. Um, I, I think there's a lot that has to go right in Green Bay. There's talent on offense. I agree with Judy. It's very young. Green, Green Bay. I will, I will go down. I will say this.
1: I like Green Bay in that division. Well, yeah. That division can be had. Um,
0: I like the Lions a little bit better than them this year. Just a little. Not by much.
1: No. No? No. The you Lions don't know what are going to the, the be the Lions. Jo- Jordan Love doesn't have to be much. Jared Goff is. Their offense was humming along last Got year. Had a great
0: coordinator and Ben Johnson. Very
1: nice. But I don't think the Lions are going to do, I don't think they'll be as good as they were a year ago. I think they're going to start to be either the Lions that we've seen for the last five decades. Okay. And I think last year was an aberration. I think Hard Knocks gave him some mileage. I think Dan Campbell is going to run his course, and he'll get a little stale there, and it's going to show. Green Bay can, ha-
0: can, ma- can win that division. Steve, what if I told you <laughs> that every member of their receiving core, the top six, and both of their top two tight ends were drafted either last year or this year. Every single one of them. That doesn't scare there me. There is not a veteran as far as the eye can see as in far Green as Bay. As as eye can see. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Touré, a seventh-round pick, all in 2022. This year, Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and Grant DuBose. And then there's a bunch of college free agents after that. At tight end, it's Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft, two talented tight ends, but both rookies. You have no one with more than a single year of NFL experience running routes for a quarterback who's a first-year starter. I, I can't get there. I can't get there. I got the Lions ahead of them this year. And I respect Judy's opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah,
1: I, we're just we're spitballing here about the NFC North. Um Detroit's defense is not going. Detroit's defense can't hang with Green Bay's receivers, whether they're those guys you just mentioned or a bunch of Boy Scouts from Boise. Um, Detroit's defense was horrible last year. Uh, Got better. The Minnesota Vikings were a fraud last year, and the Bears. No, the, the Bears are worse than either of those two teams. Green Bay is a well-run organization and they're going to stay where they're at. They're going to they're not going to their their worst years are the years they tread water. Uh, which is what they did last year with Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to be better this year than they were a year ago and I don't think it's going to take that much to win that division.
0: I think they get off to a slow start because of their youth and by the time they figure it out they're going to be playing catch up. That's what I that's how yeah. I see their season playing out. Maybe. As for the Browns, there is no question there is oodles of talent on that roster. And as Judy said, they just got to put it together. The problem is it's like a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And they can never seem to finish it by the end of the season. Right. They're still like, you can't even make out what the picture is. And you're in week 14. <laughs> they, can't find, they can't find the corner yeah. pieces. <laughs> where where the hell is the edge piece? I need the edge. <laughs> Or there's, you know, 17 pieces missing that, you know, fell right, down, right, fell right. under the table right. and got eaten the, they by they the dog. Down, they went down the, the air vent. Right. So it's just – I don't know what it is. A lot of high draft choices on that roster, but for some reason pulling it all together and making it sing just never seems to happen. Like, inevitably, Cleveland will have an offense that can score points every week and their defense will let them down, which was the problem last year. Or they'll – fortify their defense and then all of a sudden they'll have a couple of major injuries on offense and they can't be scoring with the consistency that they want to and you're like oh my gosh like cleveland's had cleveland fans have had a lot of the same struggles that bills fans have had over the years a lot of disappointments but for very different reasons now and i gotta say i think it's hard for fans outside of cleveland to even want to root for that team in light of the decision that they made yeah. at quarterback. So right, I,
1: I'm kind of with you. Cleveland is a little bit of an enigma. They've they've gotten better. The problem is, just the opposite from what I was just saying about Green Bay. Green Bay's in a cruddy division that it doesn't take too much to win. Consistently, they're in a division with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers never have a losing season under Mike Tomlin. And the Ravens have got a former MVP playing quarterback who they just paid and started to build around for the first time, Uh, and they're refurbished, right? And then you got Cincinnati, who has got maybe, not maybe, got one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL and the best receiving trio in the NFL. So Cleveland has a mountain to climb. I mean that they come out and play their best, and they're going to you know they're they're on a great year they could go 3 and 3 in that division even when they're you know playing good so yeah cleveland is a different animal than green bay and cleveland i'll say this too in in light of judy the caller she thought cleveland and green bay were going to be you know the the dark horses to do some G- green bay yeah they could have a great season and they could be a worse team than the cleveland browns the cleveland browns are playing in the afc where – most of the great – well, the great quarterbacks in the whole NFL are. They're playing in that conference and they're playing in one of the toughest divisions in that conference. So, the Cleveland Browns could be a significantly better team than the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers may go to the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah. And the and the Cleveland Browns might not. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I know what you're saying. So, I,
1: I yeah, at this point in history – The league really looks unbalanced at the quarterback
0: position and the teams that are really, really good. But let's get back to the subject at hand today, which is what player do you believe the Bills should sign to a contract extension next? Plenty of choices, plenty of players to choose from. You let us know what you think at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. We go to Jim in Hilton next. What do you got for us, Jim? Hello? You're on, Jim. What do you got? Yes. uh, I'm going to pick
3: Gabriel Davis. Okay. Um, First of all, I still remember his wonderful, uh, his blockbuster first season. And I still can see some of those sideline catches that he made that were just unbelievable. And then the second year comes along and Emmanuel Sanders came in and basically Gabriel sat on the bench a lot of the time, even though he still uh, he still had six touchdowns on 35 receptions and Sanders only had four touchdowns on 42 receptions during that year. So I really think that even though it's his fourth year, it's really his third year. And And as you've said many times on your show that it's that, uh, it's that third year when they really blossom. Right. So anyway, that's my choice. All right. said, I
0: like it. I'm not surprised he's one of the first choices out of the box here. Thanks for the call, Jim. Um, I, I think there are, while there are people in the Bills fan base that weren't thrilled with the season that he put together last year, due mainly to the fact that he had a 52% catch rate. I think the people in this building at one Bill's drive believe in him resolutely. And I think they see last season as an aberration more than a trend. So it wouldn't shock me if he's a guy that's extended sooner rather than later. So that's a good pick by Jim out of the gate. Steve, I'm going to quickly read you the list of players whose contracts are expiring after this season. You let me know if any names strike you for a contract extension candidate. Okay. Here we go. Micah Hyde, Daquan Jones, Leonard Floyd, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Tyler Matikovich, Puna Ford, Dane Jackson, Tyrell Dodson, David Edwards, Taylor Rapp, Trent Sherfield, Damian Harris, David Questenberry, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Brandon Shell, A.J. Klein, Latavius Murray, Kyle Allen, Dean Marlowe, Cam Lewis, Ike Butker, Shane Ray, Traven Howard, Cam Danzler, Gabriel. Davis. Those are your unrestricteds after this year. Any names stand out to you on that list that you would say candidate uh, yeah. for extension?
1: Yeah, c- certainly. Um, Dequan Jones, Gabe Davis, for sure. Guys who were significant contributors. Uh, Phillips was on that list too. Jordan Phillips. Yes, he was. Um, I'm kind of with. I'm I'm kind of down with the big guys, you know. Uh, keep all of those. So guys. Am I adding Phillips to your list? I would say we're Phillips and Puna Ford. Is he on one year deal? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all of those guys. I there's a that's a that's a big number. I mean, I don't know how many guys you listed, but there had to about be About 25. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> um,
1: I'll say this: if you think about it, what
0: that's about a Leonard ton- Floyd.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'd like to see him play first, but I'm thinking, yeah. yeah. Um, Think about this. The Bills should have absolutely no cap problems next year.
2: Right?
0: Oh, because of all these free agents? Well, I don't know. Everybody goes off the books. I know, but you got – Josh's contract gets stupid here, so.
1: Cap's going to be 240.
0: We hope. Right? You know?
1: The cap will be two forty, and it'll you know I mean so I'm no I'm with all those guys off the books. That's got the twenty five guys you're know, That's got to be fifty five million bucks freed up.
0: All right, I'm going to list the cap hits for you in 2024. Oh no, here we go. I'm, Josh Allen, forty seven million. Mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, 27.8 seven eight. Von Miller, almost twenty four. Trey White, sixteen six. Deion Dawkins, 15-3. hmm Dawson Knox, 14-4. Four. hmm And I'll stop at Milano at 12-7. Okay.
1: That's right around 40... 70. That's about 90 million. For seven players. Yeah. I'm just saying. But you are only really need you know, you're thinking about twenty five players that are gonna contribute significantly offensively and defensively. I don't know. I I'm still they're gonna be able to pick and choose guys. They'll have space. Know? They're gonna have
0: space. They'll have about thirty players under contract.
1: Yeah, that's all right. Okay. Some of these guys I mean, Gabe Davis may be under contract by then too, you yeah. know.
0: Um yeah, but he's also reducing the space. Like that's right, right, right. Yeah we got to take a break here, but we want to know from you at 803-0550, who should the Bills sign next to a contract extension? You tell us, 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We're back in a flash here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, here we go. One Bills Live on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, asking you, which Bills player should the Bills extend next? Who should be, get a contract extension next? We saw it Oliver get one just before mandatory minicamp. Who do you think should be next in line for the future of this franchise? We go back to the phones at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, where there is an open line for you. And we go to Anthony in East Aurora. What do you got for us, Anthony?
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so- from my perspective, I think like the first guy that should be in line for an extension is Daquan Jones. Um, I think last year he was like really underrated. And um, when I think back to that playoff game, against the Bengals, Like he didn't play. I get Von Miller didn't play either, but he was, he didn't play and Joe Mixon ran all over us. Like we couldn't stop their run for the life of us. Um, I think he's just like a really important piece and uh, the defensive tackle position ages pretty well generally. Um, And so I just think that would make a lot of sense. And then, Another name that would, I think, make sense is Micah Hyde, if we just matched his with Poyers, so they kind of, like, phased out together. Um, I think he's a free agent after this season, and so I think that would make sense if we just extended him by another year just to match his with uh, Poyers. So I'll get off the phone and uh, hear what you guys have to say. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, I kind of – I don't know. I'm kind of in a different spot than that. I don't want to lose them both all at the same time one year. Um, I don't want to soften the blow? Yeah. I don't I don't want that that to be an issue that big an issue. Um certainly they transitioned last year when when Poyer was out or I'm sorry, Hyde was out the entire year and they made do with Jordan Poyer alone with whoever you know, they had a kind of a revolving door there for a while of guys that were gonna help him out, uh and he played nicked up. I think it's a I think you'd probably stagger those guys rather than sync them up. I don't think there's any reason to do that because you don't need. It postures you to do the very thing you don't want to happen. Have something happen that you can't overcome and closes your win, that proverbial window. It makes it harder to put together the rest of the team. Now you got two safeties that you got to do, and your whole secondary is up in up in uh, up for grabs, rather than just having to plug in and plug out a safety. Um, you don't want a massive hole like that to happen in your in your roster. Um, you know, the Bills started to address it in the defensive tackle room when they, they signed Ed Oliver. Otherwise, they didn't have a single guy on their roster after this season. So, you know, the, I, I don't want to see that happen again in another position.
0: And if you take the emotion out of it, because I think Bills fans have come to, you know, Love Micah Hyde and with good reason, but the business side of this organization can't use emotion when making these decisions. As much as we would all like to see Poyer and Hyde ride off in the sunset together, that very rarely happens. And I would be inclined to expect that if they had their druthers come free agency this coming off season, they would choose to invest in Taylor Rapp long term, being a 26-year-old, as opposed to Micah Hyde, who if you sign him to play in 2024, will be entering his age 33 season. Two starting safeties, as great as Hyde and Poyer are, both at age 33 next year, it might be a little tough. might be a little tough. So I would be inclined to almost expect them to pursue Taylor Rapp beyond this season as far as a long-term extension goes at the safety position specifically. We have to take a break here, but coming up in hour number two to kick things off with us is Pro Football Focus's Brad Spielberger has some interesting stuff at PFF.com that we have to go over with him. We will do that when we return. Here on a Wednesday on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
1: Live presented by
0: Kaleida Health. All right, here we are on One Bills Live Hour number two on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Happy to be joined now by pro football focused salary cap analyst Brad Spielberger joining us on the show. Brad, hope you're enjoying your summer. Um, I know contract analyst analysis is never over, especially when guys are signing long term contract extensions here like right up to mandatory minicamp, Ed Oliver being the latest of the Bills. I know you had a, a recent take on the Oliver contract extension, so why don't we begin there? We know it was an offseason where there were some monster deals for some you know, elite DTs. Oliver was a notch below those uh, to a great degree. What is your assessment of that deal, maybe not only for Ed himself, uh, but for the Bills and their cap implications moving forward.
2: Yeah, I think the interesting thing there was you have a former top ten pick in this class with the Jeffrey Simmonses, uh, the Quinn and Williams, obviously deal not done yet. It, you know, in, in that class, and you don't imagine Oliver would want to take a second rate deal in this market that is exploding, right? With guys across the NFL signing top of market deals. So when they did ink it, I was a bit surprised. But then you get the details that come out a little bit. And, you know, barely in the top 15 and and some cash flow metrics and guarantee metrics. You see a guy like Draymond Jones sign a stronger deal with the Seattle Seahawks in free agency. And I think Oliver is in that caliber of player. So I actually think it ended up being a win-win for both parties. I wasn't necessarily surprised a deal got done at all. I just thought maybe he would bet on himself, try to have a monster fourth season or fifth season excuse me uh, and then try to really cash in at the top of the market. So, I think they still want to see continued growth, convert some of those pressures, over 30 pressures each of the last 2 years into more sacks and things of that nature, but you know, I think you could argue it's buying low in a seller's market, a player's market at the position.
1: If you're going to if you're going to rank 22 starters on offense and defense for each NFL team, where would you rank defensive tackle in the hierarchy is it is it in the top 10 top five is I mean because a lot of teams really put a lot of stock in the guys they pass rush and the run stuffing you got to be good at it where do those where does that position rank in money positions
2: no, I think it's a top five position. It has been a bit underrated. Uh, we did a book a couple of years ago called The Drafting Stage uh, with Jason Fitzgerald at overthecap.com that looked into a couple things that for me highlighted why defensive tackle is so valuable. The first was basically. Can you find premier talent at this position outside of the early rounds, right? The first two rounds, and people always talk about how edge rusher—it's so hard to find a good player later on. Defensive tackle is the same thing. Like you go look at the list of the twenty highest paid guys, and very few of them are not top fifty picks. So the scarcity, kind of the planet theory, basically, how many three hundred pound, you know, guys that have this size, explosiveness, speed combination are walking around planet Earth not very many um and then the second thing you mentioned too is i think we're seeing more and more the fastest path from point a to point b being the defensive line to a quarterback um, is a straight line, right? Is right through the center, right through the guard. And if you can generate pressure and collapse a pocket, and I think Oliver does a better job collapsing a pocket than maybe winning one-on-one matchups, which would be the next step. But it's so valuable um, in and oppo- keeping opposing quarterbacks in check. It's a top-five position for me in terms of positional value.
0: And that Ed Oliver extension opened up some cap space for the Bills to go out and get more help on the defensive front. You know, they signed Leonard Floyd. And I think just, just seeing talents like Leonard Floyd and other pass rushers, Frank Clark was still available at the time as well, just drifting out there in the abyss of free agency in June was startling enough. And then they get him for you know a reported $7 million, which, look, I understand a lot of the money's dried up around the league, so you're not going to be able to command a monster salary. But that's a heck of a bargain for a guy with almost 30 sacks the last three years.
2: You know, I think what's become very fascinating with the edge rushers now is that particular players that maybe have a certain skill set or are viewed as better in a committee and a platoon style approach, which I think is becoming more and more popular. I think after the Eagles last year basically just rotated eight to ten guys, we'll see even more of that going forward of, you know, I want a guy to play 500, 600 snaps, not 900 plus. And Floyd's been an iron man. He's been a guy that never comes off the field. You mentioned, I think, nine plus sacks each of the last three years. Frankly, in my opinion, his early down run ability and setting an edge is actually his better skill set over historically over his career, but he is a freak athlete. He's a top 10 pick for a reason, just long, flexible, probably not the the bendiest guy around the edge, like a Von Miller, but, but just uses a long arm very well. And does a lot of things very well, but there've been a lot of those guys around. So yeah, you say the price tag is surprising. It is, but it's equally surprising how many of those guys over the last couple off seasons and even right now, Yannick Ngakwe is still out there. Some of the older guys, like Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, they just kind of sit around until July, August, despite playing very good football. So, and we've
1: we've seen now that you know teams are kind of settling in, getting ready. How, first of all, they'll have you know every team's going to have five or six million bucks to work with to get through the season with injuries and that kind of thing. Two two questions: one, where's the cap going to go next year's your your ballpark figure? And two. What kind of contract is Joe Burrow looking at?
2: I would imagine the, the the cap is in the $250 million range. You know, maybe 245 to 255 it falls somewhere in there. We should be beyond, you know, basically getting, giving owners money back for what they did during COVID and, and keeping the cap a bit more elevated than it maybe actually was based on revenues. Uh, I think for the Bills, just real quick, I, I don't think the cap is a constraint. They're now one of two teams in the entire NFL spending $300 million in cash on their roster this year, only them and the Browns. So they, they're willing to maneuver the cap. I think it's more about maybe the budget. So Joe Burrow, I would imagine, becomes the highest paid quarterback in the NFL at some point this offseason. And I think it gets in the neighborhood of $55 million a year. I think we'll see Justin Herbert go first. Let's say 53 and a half, you know, pushing off of the Lamar Jackson at 52. And then Burrow comes in at 54, 55 range. uh, And then we'll see if Mahomes comes in after all those guys. But but yeah, I think those guys are going to continue pushing that market even higher and higher.
0: And, you know, you look at how quarterbacks impact the rest of the roster. San Francisco gets rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, and, you know, they've got two guys on rookie deals at quarterback. And so that leaves them money to spend on Nick Bosa, who's going to be backing up the Brinks truck. Um, where, Where do we think he's going to get in annual average salary?
2: Yeah. So I got to plug an article I put out last week about Nick Bosa kind of breaking down this entire situation. You know, I, I think it falls in the range of 32 and a half to $34 million a year, which is obviously an eye popping number. You see Aaron Donald get a three year, $95 million contract last offseason and you know maybe Bosa's not quite in the Aaron Donald level of play at his peak but I think he's probably the best defensive player in football as of today Um, you know his brother was willing to hold out and get a very strong contract a couple years ago at 27 million dollars per year and we're several years removed from that Bosa has first team all pro which Joey Bosa never earned he obviously was defensive player of the year which Joey Bosa has never earned he has 34 sacks the last two years the Atlanta Falcons as a team have 36 I mean he has been a truly dominant player I I think it'll be above Aaron Donald. Just a matter of how far above Aaron Donald at right around thirty-two million dollars a year. Is Aaron Donald the highest-paid non-quarterback? As of right now, he is. Yep. And and Boza
1: could be the next one. Nobody's in line to eclipse Aaron Donald at this point, right? Because he just signed the deal last year. It'll only be Boza, in my opinion, this offseason. What do you think is next for you know the guys who we've seen who are surprisingly likely, like DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook. A couple of those guys who are really good football players, both of them with their own uh, their own issues. But where do you see this market going right now? Because it's rare that we have such good players on the street
2: this close to training camp. It really is interesting. And you got to wonder which party, maybe are they waiting for the right fit or the right contract or both? Um, and, and are the markets just not panning out as they'd hoped? And, and I, tend to think that might be the case here. So for Dalvin cook, I I do think the AFC East makes a whole lot of sense. I think he's from South Florida. I think the dolphins did land Devin a chain, uh, a player I'm high on in the draft, but I think he makes a ton of sense in a very similar offensive system. And they do have some guys in Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson behind Devin a chain, but all of those guys are kind of, you know, in me complimentary pieces to me, not starting caliber three down guys like a Dalvin cook. And then for Deandre Hopkins, You know, it's interesting. I think he does want to still get a decent payday. I think the Odell Beckham Jr. contract makes this so complicated because one year, 15 million fully guaranteed plus incentives. If I'm John Hopkins, I'm not sure why I would take less than that either. You know, yeah, he's had, like you said, his issues, missed some time with his suspension, with some small injuries. Odell Beckham Jr. missed the entire season and still signed that deal. So you know, I, I think it'd be interesting. I think the Patriots maybe do step up and get it done. They probably have the biggest need of all the teams he's talked with. I don't totally get Tennessee, um, but then Hopkins also might want to contend. And maybe about Buffalo does circle back around at the end of the offseason. But I, I think it's less and less likely by the day from my perspective.
0: Yeah. And the the more interesting, you know, rumor that kind of came to light is the Chiefs could get back in the mix for Hopkins if they get chris jones signed to a contract extension and clear up some cap space there what do you think the potential of that might be you know if the jones deal gets done before training camp
2: yeah i mean it's certainly fascinating i imagine chris jones is waiting on quinn and williams who also is hopefully going to get his deal done before training camp i do think he'll slide in as the second highest paid guy behind aaron donald around 26 27 million dollars a year well, Kansas City, you know, they're rarely in the top 10 in cash spending. Last year, they were 16th, won the Super Bowl. Um, this year, as of right now, they're also sitting exactly at 16th, obviously with some deals pending for internal players. But they're not usually one of the bigger spenders. If Hopkins is willing to take a la Juju Smith-Schuster last year, whose base value was under $4 million, and then his incentives pushed his compensation to over $10 million, if Hopkins is willing to take a deal similar to that, I'm sure they'd get in the mix. But if not, and he still wants a solid payday, I don't think Kansas City does it. I think they've taken a second-round wide receiver for the second year in a row, and I think they just believe in what they have. Um, So I think it would only be if he takes a very team-friendly contract.
1: So you spoke about the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills having more cash out this season than anybody in the league. Who is in the most cap trouble? I know we've watched – with bated breath, year after year, the Saints go 65 million over, 75 million over, 95 million. I mean, it's been crazy. Who's in the most cap jail right now?
2: Yeah, so so they've kind of continued to to kick that credit card bill down the road. They're always going to be, not always, but I think until you see guys like Demario Davis and Cam Jordan and Michael Thomas and some of these guys that they have restructured pretty much every single offseason, you know, stop playing, then I think that credit card bill will ultimately come due. So they're probably the easy answer. I think a lot of teams that were recently You know, it explains some of their moves. We just talked about Minnesota. Why did they cut Dalvin Cook and trade Z'Darrius Smith and cut Adam Thielen and yada, yada, yada? It's because their cap situation was pretty much untenable, and they recognized the fastest path back toward contention was just cutting bait with a lot of older players. So, you know, them, Atlanta, a lot of teams have kind of cleared their books recently. It probably still is New Orleans uh, by default. But, yeah, it's because I think a lot of teams have realized You know, Like the Rams, too. Instead of kicking this thing down the road a bunch, let's just be bad for a year, reset the books, and start over. And I think this offseason, a lot of teams did that.
0: Brad, thanks as always for the insight. We appreciate you crunching the numbers with us. Enjoy your summer. We'll catch up with you down the line.
2: Sounds great. Thank you guys. Thanks, Brad. That's
0: Brad Spielberger, salary cap analyst for Pro Football Focus, joining us here. And, uh, you know, knows the numbers. Had that big write-up on Nick Bosa, which is why I was asking. That guy's going to be getting oh. paid a pretty penny. Yeah. 34 also, sacks in two years. Falcons had 36 <laughs> last year. Right.
1: Um, also, he was – as you're getting ready to do the interview, you kind of read his stuff. He was a big fan, and he told us here on the, on the air, big fan of the Ed Oliver move. Um, yeah. You didn't have to pay him like an elite defensive tackle. A lot of people thought he wasn't. But uh-huh. there's something in there that really helps your football team. His ability to disrupt – 30 pressures last year, turn a few more of those into sacks, uh, and life is different for Ed Oliver and the Bills. And uh, still, he's, uh, with the guarantees included in the contract, he is a very rich man, and he's, you know, it's a life changing deal, no question about it. So both teams, both sides of that deal are going to be really happy, and I think the Bills are going to be happy with the cap numbers that Ed Oliver's getting. Mm -hmm. um, Easier to do business.
0: I Yeah, and it obviously helped also in landing Leonard Floyd by creating some cap space. So You fortified your edge rush position as well with a proven commodity in Floyd. So the benefits were twofold, not to mention the fact that you got an affordable deal. I kind of compare the Ed Oliver deal to the Deion Dawkins extension when he signed his a few years ago. It wasn't top of the market, blow the cap out of the water. It was a fair deal. For Dawkins, market value-wise, and it was a very friendly deal for the Bills because it wasn't crushing them from an average annual value perspective, and he has since restructured a couple of times to help the team out. So, And he's up in 25. I mean, he's already coming up again in a couple of years, which is crazy to think. It seems like yesterday, guys like Tredavious White and – Deion Dawkins were signing second contracts. Now they might be on their third here in the next year or so. It's bananas to me how fast uh, time goes with these guys' careers. But we are asking you who the Bills should sign next to a contract extension. you got about 25 guys on one-year deals this year, and you have other important players whose contracts are expiring after the 24 season. So if you had to pick somebody to keep long-term whose contract may be up, Who is on your list? You let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Got an open line for you, and that's the number to get on board. Let's go to the tweet sheet for the first time today, Steve. Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And leading us off there today is Jack, who says, Daquan Jones, extend him now. He's a warrior and massively important to the front seven. He and Ford will make it almost impossible for teams to run inside. Whoever wins the middle linebacker job will be free behind those big boys to erase all that interior trash. Teams will try to throw at us. Daquan Jones is is a popular pick here. I think his value in the run-stopping department was not lost on Bills fans. They knew how valuable he was. He was their most consistent performer in that area. Yeah,
1: they missed him in the Cincinnati game. Some of our callers have already pointed out his absence hurt him. Uh, Jordan Phillips not being one hundred percent hurt him. Uh, injuries all over the defense really forced the Bills to alter their, you know, alter their production. Uh, but DaQuan Jones, I think, was the one guy in the Cincinnati game that was like, oh my gosh, that was the final, the final nail in the in you know. Your your ability to stop that run and. Uh, Mixon took advantage of it. So it's – I think it's imperative to keep those guys around. They're not going to – they've got one guy under contract after this year. Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, and you go down the list.
0: Puna Ford. uh, Puna
1: Ford. They're all gone after this year if they don't sign extensions. So um, I think it's – I think that's a great, great answer.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, Daquan Jones played all 16 regular season games. Jordan Phillips got hurt. Greg Rousseau got hurt. Von Miller got hurt. I mean, a bunch of guys dealt with injuries. Tim Settle missed time. So Mm -hmm. there were a number of starting players who did not play in all 16 games. So Daquan Jones was a horse last year and then unfortunately misses that Cincinnati game with an injury. And it was costly for sure, so I like that pick. Andrew says they should sign Taylor Rapp. I know they just signed him, but he's the future for the Bills, especially with Poyer and Hyde getting older. I I was talking about that last segment. I would I agree really? completely. Yeah, I agree completely. You gotta you need an influx of talented youth there. I mean, look, I love Poyer and Hyde as much as the next guy, but all good things must come to an end, and you don't want to push it too far where you have guys on the back end that just maybe lose a half a step, that's the difference between a tackle and a touchdown sometimes.
1: Yeah, and you, you want to make sure you have quality guys back there to take over. Certainly uh, the fact that both Poirier and Hyde are getting older, injuries become a higher part of the equation, a bigger part of the equation, as we saw last year. And You've got to have somebody quality to put in because I think the Bills struggled at the off safety position with, and plus Poyer wasn't physically right all year either. So yeah. they don't want to get caught like that again. So rap they bring Rap in, who's a quality NFL starting safety um, for depth and probably to compete as well. And that's uh, yeah, you don't want to get left without those. Th- Can you imagine not being with those three guys? Um, all of a sudden, a stellar secondary goes to you know just okay really quickly.
0: Oh, yeah. No question about it. Garvey on the tweet sheet says, Daquan Jones, keep him with Oliver to maximize the defensive line production. Jeremy says, Puna Ford. We have hardly anyone signed at the interior, and locking him up is a gamble that's worth taking before he walks next year. Here's the interesting dynamic between Daquan Jones and Puna Ford. They play the same position. They'll be rotating in and out for one another. Daquan Jones next year will be entering his age 32 season. Puna Ford will be entering his age 28 season. How much does that resonate with you, Steve, in choosing between the two? Yeah, some. I mean, no question.
1: They're both playing at a high level. Younger guy is always better because you think he's going to be able to keep his production at a high level going forward.
0: Yeah.
1: Daquan Jones, though, has been such an asset. Um, that's a hard one, but yeah. He I, was impressive last I, year. He was. He was really impressive. He, he had as good a year as anybody on the Bills' defense last year. And that's saying something. So it's hard to callously say, you know, you take the younger player. uh, Puna Ford, if he plays for the Bills like he has played in the past for the Seattle Seahawks, yeah, you're going to be really happy with him. So I think that will make it easier. But right now, from this end of it, we don't know who Puna Ford is with the Buffalo Bills yet. So, you know, it's kind of hard to make that call. But, you know, youth is undefeated, you know. I mean – You love young guys who can really play.
0: Yeah, and logic tells you they have a longer runway still in front of them as far as their career goes. Danielle says, Ed Oliver and Gabe Davis. I honestly felt not one, but these two both deserve it. I fully understand the thoughts on Gabe, but I sincerely think it would be a mistake to lose him. Ed Oliver stands out in this group of guys. He's another we can't lose. Well, good news, Danielle. He already is signed to a contract extension. Randall says... First, the snowman himself, Dion Dawkins. He's a cornerstone of the O-line between or been with them since the beginning. Great locker room guy and brings the juice every day. Second, Dane Jackson. Head down, works hard, plays his role very well. Honorable mention, Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown's only entering his third year. There will be another year on his contract. So there is time to get him done. Maybe he's a candidate next summer, not this yeah, summer. Yeah. And,
1: and- the second one Dane Jackson it's a, it's, it's a good call. One of the reasons this team has been so good is because they're play at cornerback what, no matter who's in there and think about he got Tradavius White, Kyir Elam, Christian Benford, Dane Jackson Taryn Johnson Taren Johnson. he got some they have played at a high level all those guys they have been really good there um I'm interested in keeping keeping that position really deep with quality players. So I could, I could live with Dane Jackson. I don't think he'd, he would not break the bank to sign an extension. I think he might be the kind of guy who you could give a, a longer-term, bigger deal to, and it wouldn't affect the way he works. You know what I'm saying?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He's not going to take it out of gear once he signs a life changer, and these second contracts usually are.
0: And I don't think the second contract has to be huge for Dane Jackson. Um, right.
1: He's not going to break the bank. He's
0: been a spot starter, I think. You know, he earned the job last year. It was helped by the fact that Tredavious White wasn't healthy enough to start the season. So that left him battling against a pair of rookies, you know, and Kyrie, Elam and Christian Benford. And look, I like Dane Jackson as much as the next guy, as far as his playing ability is concerned. Being a former seventh-round pick and a spot starter, if he doesn't win the starting cornerback job this year, I think he's an affordable commodity to sign up long-term, and we know Coach McDermott loves him. So, right. yeah, I think I think that's a good pick there.
1: The only thing he doesn't have going for him is measurables. And he's a smaller corner. It doesn't
0: take away from him playing physical, though, I will say but that. But he does. Pound he, for pound, he brings
1: it. That's right. He's got grit. And, you know, that his work ethic and all the things that it, he's, he reminds you. Uh, I think Coach McDermott feels a little bit about Dane Jackson like he felt about Levi Wallace you kind of like keeping him around because he's an outstanding example of how you want your players to handle adversity and maybe not getting a starting role, maybe, you know, playing extremely well, even when you're a backup. Uh, Levi Wallace was great at that. And so is Dane Jackson. They, you know, they don't squawk when they're not starting, but when they start, they play quality starter minutes. Um, I think, Kind of that resonates with Sean. You know, with Sean McDermott, he likes guys who handle not being the guy really well. And Dane Jackson certainly has done that.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. You know what you're going to get every time he steps onto the field? You're not wondering, we oh, are we going to get his best this week? Yeah. You know the guy's coming to play every single week. And I think that's part of what McDermott respects about his game, maybe more than anything else. We have to step aside here. When we return, more of your phone calls and tweets, who should the bill sign next to a contract extension? You let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Open line for you to get on board. And then we may also have some time to discuss what we saw on NFL.com, the NFL urgency meter. Who's at the top of the list? We'll tell you next. All right, here we be on One Bills Live on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We'll get to more of your phone calls in just a second. Wanted to bring this to everyone's attention, though. NFL.com's Dan Hansus recently put together his list of teams that top the NFL urgency meter. Uh, teams that he believes are under the most urgency to win the whole thing. Come mid-February. Topping the list, Steve, your Buffalo Bills. Here's what he wrote as he gave them a full 10 on a 1 to 10 urgency meter scale. The Bills have been knocking on the door for a while now. Four straight tips to the playoffs, each run ending short of the Super Bowl. The 13-second loss to the Chiefs in the 2021 divisional round was pure pain for a franchise that's no stranger to heartbreak. But last postseason's home thumping at the hand of the Bengals was somehow more dispiriting. Is Buffalo's once-wide-open Super Bowl window suddenly closing? Question mark. Playing in a widely improved AFC East, there's a huge amount of urgency facing the entire Buffalo operation entering 2023. Look no further. And the recent drama around star receiver Stephon Diggs is an example of potential cracks in the structure. Pressure can do that to even the most solid of foundations. What do we think of Dan Hansus's assessment of the Bills topping the list of teams with the most urgency to win the whole kit and caboodle?
1: I don't know. Uh, Certainly as you know, as long as they've got Josh Allen and this this crew at the top, you know Josh, Vaughn, Steph, um, now Leonard Floyd, DaQuan Jones, they got these guys, Dawson Knox, and Kincaid. I mean, they they have continued to. Well, let's think about it. Twenty twenty, they come out and and they were, they exploded on the scene, went twelve and four, got to the AFC Championship game. This team's better than that one. The roster is. Right. Um, certainly got to put it together. I So I'm – until they start to level off, I still think they're on the rise. You and I have spoken at length about – on the air and privately about what we think happened to last year that just, you know, the bottom fell out of it. And it was the first year in three years where they'd had any significant injuries. And they had injuries to, you know, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Vaughn Miller – Uh, And that's on the defense alone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, how you know, not stopping Cincinnati in the way they were playing at the time does not surprise anybody. Uh, So that, and and this just in, Cincinnati scored one half a point off their off of their average on the season season in that game. That was their season average. So, this is a team that has it together, is keeping it together, and is getting better in the process. So. You can bet they're going to be right there at the end. They're going to have, they're going to get in, whether they get in by winning the division again or getting in with wild card. They're going to be in that tournament and have a say. Um, and with a team like this, going on the road doesn't scare me either. I I don't know what to say. Urgency to win,
0: man. There's always urgency. That's where
1: everybody lives in this league. I so. think
0: I think this stems from the general feedback we got on the air here on One Bills Live the day after the Cincinnati loss. Right. Which was, when are I going to win this thing? We've been in it every year. we got to get over the hump. You know, we hear that all the time. So I think from a fan perspective, there is this sense of urgency like – are we going to win this thing? Are we ever going to get there? Like, what's going on? And there was an arms. And at the end of it, it was like, wow, it's an arms
1: race. You know, we're going to can we yeah. hang in there with him. Well, now we get it's a lot guys? tougher. Yeah. And Back in
0: 2020, th- the landscape was a lot more wide open in the AFC.
1: That is exactly right. That is exactly right. So, I, you know, being able to stay there in a changing landscape says a lot about how the team's built and where they're headed um, and their ability to hang in there with the changes. So uh, I'm – yeah, you You always feel like, man, you got to win, and particularly after you lose in the fashion and the season goes south as quickly as it did last year. Um, I, I can. I have an easier time, maybe, than the general public, or maybe when you sit here and talk like this, maybe it's easier to say that. I don't have a problem how their season ended before the Super Bowl. I don't have a problem how it ended. I get it. It ended. That doesn't mean this team is less likely. That has nothing to do with this team this year. It's a, it an opportunity lost like they did the, the last two or three years where it's just excruciating. But I'm telling you, last year was a lot of it for the first time perhaps was out of their control. And you kind of got to have to take your lumps. This year we'll see how how it ends this year, whether it's whether it's where everybody wants to be or whether it's in yeah. the wrong, you know another disappointing season. But what happened last year for the first time, to me, was out of the Bills' control.
0: The interesting thing about Dan Hanzoose's list is he's got two other AFC East teams in the top six, in his top ten of teams that have the most urgency to win the whole thing. The Jets are second right behind the Bills. And his, his assessment is interesting. He says the blockbuster acquisition of Aaron Rodgers has made this one of the most important seasons in Jets franchise history. It's difficult to overstate how vital it is for Rodgers to stay on the field, play at a high level, and end New York's league-worst and North American professional sports-worst playoff drought of 12 years. If he fails, it could mean the end of Robert Sala's run at head coach as well as Joe Douglas's run as GM. I mean, they're talking about heads rolling if this thing doesn't work. That's crazy. Which is interesting. It's cr- I don't know if I'm buying it, I, but I'll tell you right now, well, Steve, they got to at least make the playoffs. I mean, you don't make the playoffs after adding Rodgers. Woody Johnson's gonna be like, what, what the hell's going on here? Well, it all depends on what
1: causes them to miss. I, I mean, don't know if it's gonna I don't know if Woody Johnson's it gonna should. care. It should it depend should. on how they miss. If they're being outcoached, I get it. But let me say this you and I have both had this. Joe Douglas has killed it. As GM of the Jets. Killed it.
0: The last couple of drafts he has.
1: And this offseason without getting Rodgers. He has killed it. So, if you're going to sit there and say, this guy that built this roster and put this together. Now, you can also say this. He drafted Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. Unless Woody Johnson swooped in and was his call. Which we've seen happen. Yes. But we don't have any reason to think any of that. They picked Zach Wilson because they got into a draft, and all of a sudden they're picking at a spot where that's the guy that, you know, well, okay, you got to take him. But that's a miss. That's a whiff at a really, really important draft spot. So there's one that's against him. But the rest of the drafts, he has crushed it. You don't get rid of Joe Douglas if you're getting outcoached. Yeah. And I'm not saying Robert Sala's getting outcoached either. I'm I just thought saying. it was
0: a very interesting assessment. Uh, let's go to the phones, see what you think. Let's go to uh Scott in Florida. What do you got for us, Scott? You're on one bills live.
3: Oh, great to talk to you. Sure. Here's my big thing is that they always talk about the the window that we have. Right. Well we haven't reached the start of the window. But Josh quarterbacks reached their peak at twenty nine. And he's already done so much before. So who knows what he's gonna do after twenty nine. And so I'm. It, it just astounds me that of all the quarterbacks they talk about, that he gets like put down, like yeah. he's already reached his peak. Right. And so I just let you talk about it. I'm so happy about this year. I think our team is going to be great. I'm a wonderful lover of the team. And so I'll let you go. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a huge fan of the window discussions. To me, it's like. Why don't you just – I don't know. I understand that after four straight years of going to the playoffs, people are like, well, is this team still going to be good enough to keep doing that? Or we? And I think one of the reasons they're wondering if the window is closing is the Bills haven't been able to get past the divisional round the last two years. And so they're like, oh, maybe they can't get past that anymore. So maybe they're a lesser team. I would argue against that, as we have on this show several times – just by virtue of the fact that the roster for, for us anyway on paper is better than it was last year. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The proof is going to be in the pudding when they're on the field and they're performing, and hopefully they perform and stay healthy and, you know, make a nice run at the thing. Um, but four swings at it and not getting to the most important game of the season, I can understand why that would cause some people to doubt this football team. But – you know, especially when you have other teams in the conference, like the Bengals, who have won an AFC title, like the Chiefs, who have won three AFC titles, so and two Super Bowls. So yeah, I I get, you know, why people might be a little down on the Bills. That's fine by me. Yeah, I, I yeah, like I lying in the a weeds. I have no problem
1: with that either. It's it's easier to dredge up a lot of really intense emotions when people are counting you out, and you, you, there's something to fight about, right? So yeah, the Bills are are going to be fine with where they're at being overlooked. Um, but I, I'll i say this. Peyton, We said this the other day. Peyton Manning didn't win his Super Bowl until his eighth, his season. eighth season. Eight. Um, and they knocked on the doorstep a couple of times before they ever got there. It's hard John to John Elway
0: do. didn't win a Super Bowl until the end of his career.
1: Yeah, John. he went to five. Went to won, five. Went, won his last two. Yeah, lost um, the other three. It's hard. It's hard to win. And a lot of things got to happen. So I'm – you just got to be ready for it. I'm These guys are going to – this preseason overlooked disrespect, you know, window closing, doomsday thing is all a result of the Cincinnati loss. Yeah. Don't think of it as anything – they lost a bad game and they played the worst game of the se- their entire season on the wrong day. And I've said it a gazillion times. If you play great – if you play your best game on the game you got to win, you look – like a great team whether you stunk all season or not. Yeah. So, you know, people remember that last game and it's it's not the truth of who they are.
0: We have to take a break here. When we come back, we'll let you know what the urgency meter said about that other AFC East team who ranked 6th out of the 10 teams on the urgency meter. We'll tell you who and what they said about them next here on One Bills Live presented by Collada Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bill Live, one final segment to go. And we wanted to we let you know all four AFC East teams registered in the top ten on Dan Hanzoos' NFL urgency meter. Um, Bills and Bills Jets. Were, Bills were at the top. Jets were right behind at 10 and 9.8 respectively. In sixth was the Dolphins at 8.7. And it says, on paper, the Dolphins have one of the most talented rosters in the league. The offense has the speed to keep opposing coordinators up at night. And the defense, now led by eternal stud DC Vic Fangio, approaches the Eagles in terms of depth and potential. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Of course, all of this commendable work done by the Miami Brain Trust will be wasted if Tua is unable to stay on the field. The team has a new backup quarterback and former Jets folk hero Mike White. But staying the course with the concussion prone two when other options were available on the trade and free agent market represents one of the great dice rolls in the NFL this offseason the Dolphins make sense as a Super Bowl team but there's also logic to picking them to finish last in the AFC East yeah the, it is boomer bust for
1: them truly yeah, I agree and also the last name on that list uh, the number nine pick team is New England I, did we ever th- did we ever think that It would get to that point in New England.
0: It looked like for a long time, it was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to be there forever. Do you want to know the sentence I enjoy most from Dan Hanzoos on the Patriots? Read it. Nobody said life after Tom Brady would be easy, but who said it would be this hard? Is that the most delicious sentence you've ever heard in your life? It kind of does. Ah. Yeah. The 2022 season was a disaster by the high standards of the Patriot way. Woo-wee. Yeah. Love it. And they can keep on struggling for all I care. That's where I come in on that one. But, you know, I get it. I understand. But a lot of these are tied to either past playoff failures. Bengals are on this list. Eagles are on this list. Bills are on this list. Mm-hmm. And then others are tied to job security at the coaching office or the GM office. Jets chief among those. Right. And then the others are teams that have just struggled way too long that better get their act together and at least get to the postseason, Cleveland Browns being one of those teams.
1: Yeah, I, you and I – Cleveland is so far off the radar because of the quality of that division. I mean, they it's like they – and we had a caller in saying, listen, they're sleepy good, you know, they're a sleeper to be good. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore are sitting right in front of them. They got to be better than sneaky good.
0: Yeah, that's a rock'em, sock'em division. I'm that sorry. That division is – man, oh, man. You got to play differently in that division. Yeah. I mean, think about the way Cincinnati plays. That's good against the rest of the AFC – but they have a bear of a time with Pittsburgh and Baltimore because Pittsburgh. it's rock'em, sock'em football and, in that division. And Pittsburgh. They
1: struggle with those teams. Pittsburgh's got a really good pass rush. you got to stay with it. So that division is really hard, and Cleveland's the outside looking in. It's the
0: way it is. Yeah. That's it for us today. We will have more for you tomorrow here on One Bills Live. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. on Thursday.